Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals. Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse Code and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse Code and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as the Orcountant Eta, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan Laplantis Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! 
you awaken to a beautiful, soft yellow glow. Um, and as, uh, as you open your eyes, uh, you find that the, uh, the small crystal hanging from the ceiling, uh, is now emitting a very, very pale, very, uh, very pleasant, uh, and very mild, uh, yellow glow, um, within the room, um, somewhat mimicking the sun, um, and, uh, a sense of, of daylight. Um, Duncan, uh, you're still uh, by the door. Um, Karen still seems to be kind of curled up in, in her ball, but um, Maka, uh, Ita, and, and you are, are starting to wake up. Um, you, uh, looking around the room in, in better light, um, you can see that it is very plain, um, aside from kind of the, the beds that uh, Sandra had made for you. Um, however, uh, you can smell... Um, uh, just kind of under the the crack of the door, a, um, a sort of a, a delicious wafting smell of uh, fresh baked goods. What do you do? Uh, get up, probably. Like, like he doesn't have to keep sitting <laughs> against the door once he's conscious. And he'd be I like, am going for for uh, breakfast. Would anyone like to join me? Well, perhaps we should all go and meet some of the population here, get a better feel for these dwarves. Karen, would you like to go with us to the breakfast area? I thought you'd never ask. I thought you were all dead, maybe, like my best friend Gwen, but like it turns out you're alive, and that's great, Danny. Let's go. All right, Ita, would you perhaps lead us around? None of us have ever been here before. Uh, I also have never been here, uh, so we will discover this together. Excellent. Marka, do you know anything of the dwarves? What would Marka know of the dwarves, Tom? I'm assuming just very kind of basic stuff. Yeah, there would have been trade, certainly, between Bleen and, and the dwarf kingdoms. Um, but I honestly don't think you would have much to do with them. Again, just thinking about, like, what the limits of Marka's knowledge within his own society are. This would be so far outside the realm, and certainly, like, no dwarves stayed long enough you'd ever have to um, bury any of them. So I think um, kind of beyond your your kin. That said, yeah. um, in terms of uh, the cluster and how it's, it's responding, um, you do get a, a bit of an odd vibe. Again, there is kind of a constant sense of energy all around you. Um, you're not sure if that's due to the uh, the magical powers of sort of the stone shaping or or what, but it doesn't feel uh, it feels a little off. Um, not as upsettingly as certainly the Shadowlands, um, but uh, yeah, you you can just feel um, feels a, a, a little empty here. Okay. Um... So, uh, Maka will say, uh, um, there is not much that I know of the dwarven people other than that they have vast underground civilizations. Mm. And as I understand it, they are quite industrious or are known to work well with minerals and other like materials. Tom, based on Duncan's reading, I don't know where you'd think the Orvelian theory on dwarves would be. Is it just like thinks of them like Lord of the Rings dwarves? So he's got those assumptions. Is that the easiest shorthand for us to use in terms of his understanding? Or what would he know about the dwarves here if he studied them? Um, 
based on Orvelian, which again does limit somewhat. Yeah. Have. Um, yeah, the uh, the dwarves uh, known as incredibly fierce fighters, um, renowned for uh, their armor works. Um, there is uh, definitely um, talk of uh, kind of the like, like reputationally just the how impressive uh, the armor is. Now you haven't really seen any since you got down here, but you also get the sense that the people you're seeing are probably not warrior folk. Um, so um, sought out far and wide as as armorers uh, for sure. Um, I think almost all the stuff you would have would be less about the culture and more about the output. Um, there are politically, uh, you are aware that uh, from at least the Orvelian archives that um, uh, it's rare to deal with the same elected official twice. Um, so there does seem to be a, a, a pretty decent turnover. Um, but based on the fact that they mentioned elections, that's not entirely unexpected yeah it's not as much of a red flag as that would be in like a tyranny situation exactly yeah yeah yeah. um yeah um it uh i think the the sort of adjectives that have been kicked around uh are enthusiastic um youthful gets said a lot um there's a an exuberance uh to to the society in in their dealings with orville but uh yeah generally speaking um cutting edge uh enchanted armor i should also note that the the as opposed to something like the apex institute which deals in science these guys definitely deal in magic um so enchanted weapons enchanted armor that, yeah because we met the or, the dwarfs on the road and like our master blaster friend from back in the bone spurs so we've seen some of the technical yeah. expertise outside but this is the enthusiastic younger dwarf version of like ah the stories are here duncan realizes uh yeah it's also worth noting that um what has happened since, like, there are different dwarven societies that operate in, in different ways. Um, the dwarves you've met to this point, none of them are from Strongbreck. Um, so things could also just be different here. Okay, cool. All right, so it sounds like we've got about the same amount of information between Maka and I in terms of, we know a lot about the dwarves who leave these places, but we don't actually know a lot within them, so... Ita, if you've got any other lessons you want to pass along, along the way, I'm not saying you've got a ton of knowledge now, but please let us know if something seems in place or out of place from what you know. Uh, honestly, from my understanding, I am a bit concerned uh, at the level of uh, debauchery that we witnessed last night. That was unexpected. Interesting, interesting. Well, let's go see what's happening, and hopefully they don't have their own possessed tree um, he says, without explaining, <laughs> and just goes out the door. Uh, so um, you exit into uh, sort of the, the cavern city of, of uh, the fortress, and um, sure enough, the, uh, the massive crystal uh, hanging from the ceiling is, has also shifted. Um, with the, the brighter light and with the, the brighter tone, you can actually see um, that there seem to be um, what in a modern sense, we think of as like almost optical cables, but in your sense, almost like clear uh, veins running from this um, this crystal sort of throughout. Uh, and you get the sense that these sort of light sources might all be connected. Um, the uh, the city in the day is much different than the, the night you arrived. Um, people are, are moving around with purpose. Um, you can definitely see some people like, uh, there, there are a lot of sunglasses still um, and uh, definitely some people who look a little bit worse for the wear from the night before. Um, as uh, 
you kind of make your way. It's, it's fairly clear where the, and I, I guess we could also say there's just like a note um, describing how to get with like a little map uh, explaining where, where to go get food. Um, kind of like you'd find in a motel where it's like the fire escapes are here and here. The spa is only open in inconvenient hours you can't make. And it's too expensive for you to use anyway, but it's there. Have fun. Um, so uh, you start making your way, um, and uh, sure enough, soon thereafter, you see your first uh, armored dwarves. Uh, and it seems like a, a regiment of maybe um, six um, who are um, just kind of like crossing the street um, uh, up ahead of you. And uh, the armor looks, uh, it's far more embellished than uh, what you would see on um, on Gwendolyn. But I think the, the best visual comparison for my head is like if you've seen any of the World of Warcraft, like Alliance hero armor, where it's just like big kind of like paladin style armor with a lot of little extra pieces of flair because Blizzard likes the slightly more cartoony aesthetic. So it's almost that level where it's just it, like these, it, it's, it's fucking fancy armor. Um, and uh, these dwarves uh, also young, certainly, but um, uh, seem to be kind of moving with purpose. The other thing that you notice uh, that is slightly different as you, you make your way kind of um, around the corner, down the street, uh, these dwarves cr cross in front of you and you kind of come to a main thoroughfare similar to um, what you would remember from uh, Orvel, uh, Ryan. Um, and uh, there seem to be, uh, obviously everything has been crafted out of stone. Um, the buildings have that same organic kind of slope to them that the marker outside did where they've clearly been like raised up out of, uh, out of the bedrock. Um, but uh, there's also a tremendous amount of public art. Uh, there seem to be statues of dwarves everywhere um, that have been meticulously crafted, beautifully detailed, um, um, some wearing armor um, that, uh, like literally wearing armor uh, that seems to mm. kind of gleam in the sun, um, others just kind of around. Uh, but these fucking statues are everywhere. Like there's there's an unnecessary amount of embellishment going on. Um, that what, said- what What, how- do they look like young people? Do they reflect uh, like the population or are they older? Uh, go ahead and roll me an investigation check, please. Okay. Eleven. Um, there are some, uh, some, no, there aren't any dwarven dogs. I was, uh, I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. Um, Laura, as, uh, as you examine them, it's kind of hard to tell also just because I think um, you probably have a bit of difficulty determining age on, on dwarves, particularly when they have beards. It's like, could be anything. Um, but uh, yeah, you notice a couple of them certainly do look older, but older being a relative term. Um, perhaps most notably, you don't see, like there aren't like ancient dwarves of the type that I think we would traditionally think of you know, with like the big nose and like the really wrinkled and like, I've seen some shit. Like there, there don't seem to be any of those. That isn't to say they don't exist, but um, yeah, these statues look, uh, seem to have been carved to like reflect the society they're, they're in. So uh, you make your way kind of past the statues um, and uh, towards a, uh, a large, uh, almost shaped like an airplane hangar. Um, so like a big kind of, uh, I think like a, um, a cylinder cut in half, um, sort of big uh, arched uh, building uh, from which the uh, delicious smells you smelled earlier are uh, coming. As you approach, you can see there are a number of different um, sort of massive stone crafted um, 
uh, ovens. Uh, and as you come in, you can see uh, baker dwarves like reshaping the oven to like get stuff out. So everything's super hot, super crispy. Um, but uh, yeah, there seem to be long tables set up. Um, and uh, yeah, you see, it, it's it's much like a you know university cafeteria. Um, the morning after the night before, just like hungover dwarves, just like stumbling up to eggs and stuff and just like grabbing them kind of yeah, forlorn. It's, it's the all-inclusive resort breakfast, which is exclusively for hungover people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's at 11 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> after all, like the responsible people and people with kids have left. <laughs> uh, this one is much earlier than that one, um, I will say, but yes. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, as uh, as you approach, uh, as as you kind of approach it and grab your plates, uh, Sandra uh, comes, uh, comes over um, uh, and she's wearing like a robe and flip-flops uh, and she's just like, Oh, uh, hey guys, good morning. So good to see you. I'm glad you found the buffet. Uh, listen, uh, President Nagata has uh, extended an offer uh, to join her at the head table for breakfast if you want to like nom some noms. Um, I gotta I, I gotta go. Uh, and then she like stumbles over into what is very clearly a vomitorium uh, in the classical sense uh, where she stumbles into a, a, a like side room and you just hear uh, the sounds of vomiting. Um, and other voices be like, yeah, it's okay. Just get it all out. Um, and, uh, uh, you can see the, uh, the head table kind of at the, the top of the room, think like a Hogwarts style setup where it's just like really, really long tables. And then like slightly raised tables for important characters, uh, at the end. Um, and, uh, you see a dwarf, um, hanging out up there, um, who looks like, uh, Kat Dennings, uh, from, um, uh, to broke girls uh, and or occasional Thor movies. Um, and uh, so she's sitting up there looking like regal as fuck. Um, she's got uh, a, again, beautifully crafted um, uh, wheelchair made of kind of beautiful metals and, and stone. Um, and uh, to your surprise, given kind of the relative age of everyone, um, she's got a shock of gray through her hair. Um, and, uh, you can see her just kind of waving with one arm, um, to a, uh, a dwarf with a, just a, a, a pitcher of, um, uh, like a, basically just a, like a, a big fucking like bloody Mary pitcher of, uh, Mimosa? no, no, the other one, the gross one that I hate. Um, it's, uh, it's just, it's a no, known hangover sunrise. cure made of oh, oh prairie dog, prairie oyster, whatever it's called. Uh, regardless, it turns out none of us drink him. Just a Caesars, Caesars. Caesars. It's a bullshit. picture of Caesars. Yes, thank you. It's a picture of Caesars, um, and just like uh, pouring, uh, pouring the Caesar and then dropping bacon in the top, being like, eh. and then he steps back and she just sort of slams it back and waves again. Um, but then seeing you, she kind of waves with the same arm. Is her? Um, is is you say you should talk about a shock of gray through her hair? Is is there any kind of indication of of age? on her that we can tell i mean uh, she does she looks uh if everyone else like you've seen a lot of people look like they're in their like late teens early 20s she looks like she'd be like early 30s so okay. she does oh, okay. so seem significantly older okay. than everyone else but by degrees you know right and okay tom is this the president that i was expecting that i had heard of um yeah so you're okay. uh yeah. Um, so I'm president, so suspicious. Yeah. So President <laughs> Nagata was is definitely um, the the president uh, of uh, of Sprongbreck. Um, but um, your contact is um, in the uh, 
sort of like accounts yeah. uh, department. Um, and uh, his name is Dagwood Smithsonian. Dagwood. Awesome. So he's kind of like the current um, foreman and kind of head of production. Okay. Right. I think Duncan will take the invitation uh, and just stride regally through the central hallway towards the high table. Sure. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm right along there with him. Like, this is a no-brainer. So you get some some strange looks uh, as you go, but you actually notice most people are, are staring, like, wide-eyed at Karen. Um, and uh, you hear a sorted muttering um, of, like, oh, that's a, that's what, Mark II? That's ancient. Where the fuck did that come from? Um, as uh, as you make your way up. Uh, when you get closer, uh, President uh, Nagata um, actually, like, holds the hand in, like, a stop pouring for a moment. Uh, and she just says, friends, friends, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so nice to have visitors. Uh, I, 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 I'm sincerely pleased that you've, you've decided to join me for breakfast. Can I interest you in the finest Caesar a pitcher can hold? Uh th- th- Thank you, uh, Madam. I mean, sorry, fuck. I was doing Gwendolyn's voice for a second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shit. That can entirely be what's happening inside Karen right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Madam President. Uh, I will, I will uh, be happy to have a uh, plain tomato juice. I think Duncan will step forward and sweep off his hat and say, I would be honored. President Negrata, my name, and this is in Dwarven, because of course he's, he's never going to use mm. this. This is great. He's like, my mm. name is Duncan Kindano, captain of the Do- first captain of the Dawnbreakers. This is Maka Deathcap of the Turtles of Bleen. This is Eta of the. Uh, numbered- Eta. This is Eta of the Numbered Empire. <laughs> and in his head, he's just like, he's so pissed off that she has like no courtly manners that it's just like <laughs> very bothersome. Uh, and he says, and this is Karen, a fish familiar from the Shadowlands trapped inside the armor of Amalekin Solaris. Um, so uh, you can see that like uh, Nagata is like, she, she's narrowed her eyes and she's listening like really, really hard and, and very carefully um, and kind of like nodding, but also clearly kind of trying to work through um, what you're saying. But when you hit uh, Solaris point, um, her eyes kind of go wide um, and you can see her kind of lean forward in uh, in eagerness and interest. Uh, you notice, though, that she only seems to lean with half of her body. Um, so she kind of like puts one hand on the table and, and leans forward and says, uh, in uh, a dwarvish that uh, sounds, uh, I would say you get every, maybe you lose every third word um, from her response in a, uh, it's recognizable, but the syntax is wrong and there's weird slang. Um, but she kind of responds with like, uh, wait, I, I'm sorry, you're using a very old dialect. Uh, did I hear you correctly? That's the, the armor of Solaris. Uh, and I think he'd just like apologize and be like, I think, is, is it common? What's the, yeah, I guess common would be the regular yeah. language here from D&D rules. Uh, perhaps common would be easier. I self-taught Dwarven out of a collection of books, so it's probably not up to date. This is the armor of Amalekin Solaris. It originally contained the soul of Gwendolyn Kinsolaris, our current princess. And then during recent adventures in the Shadowlands, it's been possessed by Karen, the fish familiar. Uh, That's me. I'm in the important armor now. So we're looking to rectify that situation. Uh, And uh, uh, President Nakata just kind of 
nods. She says, incredible. We, uh, we, the story's always said it had been lost, but to, to have it returned is, oh, this is a tremendous gift you've brought. And I am sorry about your, your princess. That is, that is hard. It is, uh, it is a loss I, I myself am dealing with uh, in a manner of speaking. Uh, so I, I understand where you're coming from. But uh, yes, we can absolutely uh, assist you, hopefully. Uh, please, please, pull, pull up some seats. Um, and uh, she gestures for, for food to be brought. Um, so uh, the three of you are seated uh, at the head table with her. Uh, food is brought, um, refreshment. Um, honestly, it's been a long time since you guys were served a meal somewhere. So this is kind of delightful and strange. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan, this kind of takes you back a little bit. Um, and Maka, like, have you ever been served a meal? You must have been at some point somewhere, maybe. Um, yes, but certainly not a day-to-day occurrence mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have any like uh, 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 like fruit at this breakfast? Uh, yes. All right. So Maka is biting into a watermelon. Like you see, you see those like videos of like the turtle just like eating the strawberry. It's like, <laughs> like it's just like that. Just a big old chomp out of the watermelon uh, as it like sli- like there's just juices everywhere and stuff like that. And he just kind of snaps snaps at this watermelon uh, bit by bit. I love that so much. Yeah. Thank you for evoking those videos. Yeah. They're yeah. adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Duncan would be trying to have like polite conversation with the president. He's because the ex, like the welcome has been so warm so far. He noted very strongly the fact that the president referred to the armor as a gift, which he does not consider it to be in any way, shape, or form, but he's not going to bring that up right now because he needs more information. But I think, yeah, he'd just be trying to do, like, very courtly, like, polite diplomat speak because he, he knows with rulers you've got to wait a certain amount of time mm-hmm. before they give you whatever they want because sometimes you just got to sit chat. Right. So as uh, as you're, you're um, having small talk, um, uh, you know, she's very cordial, um, certainly. Um, you do notice that um, she doesn't seem to be moving um, her other arm uh, or her legs. Um, her hand actually looks uh, to have lost all color and be the same kind of grayish tone as the uh, the statues. Um, but uh, she makes very good use of her of her singular arm and is, uh, is gesticulating wildly as she talks uh, until um, you notice uh, there's there's a bit of commotion at the far end. She says, oh, uh, I'm sorry. I was going to explain this in a few minutes, but it looks like we've run out of time. Uh, I was just enjoying our small talk so much. Uh, you've caught us uh, in election season. So we've got um, every so often one of these things will happen and we just kind of got to, you know, be quiet, respect it, listen to what he has to say, and then we'll, we'll carry on. So, um, but please, I mean, it, it must be uh, you have interest in, in our culture. Uh, this is uh, probably a once in a lifetime kind of thing uh, for you, uh, given that humans don't get down here too much. So uh, uh, let's, let's watch, shall we? Interesting. If, if we have a place in this, please let me know what it is, when it is. Um, so with that, um, uh, kind of a, a hush comes over the room and um, a, uh, a dwarf like quickly like clambers up on a table um, and holds uh, one of the small kind of um, crystals with a wire running from it uh, to the wall above his head, uh, which shoots basically like a, like a spotlight down. And uh, a um, 
a figure comes forward and uh, he kind of walks with sort of a bit of a lurching step. Um, and you notice immediately that uh, it's a mask. Uh, it's a, it's a dwarf in a mask. Uh, so it's like almost the equivalent of like a paper mache style mask. So slightly exaggerated features, scraggly gray beard uh, and kind of wearing a big robe. Um, and uh, he, he uh, just kind of yells out, Oh, I think we must change it all. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you into a world of darkness and vampires with Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast featuring Ryan LaPlante as the gangster Ridley Beef, Tyler Hewitt as the conflicted detective Everett Fry, and Megan Miles as the poet Iris Dunn with storyteller Tom McGee. Join these newly turned vampires as they try to take control of Montreal. But all is not as it seems, and as their humanity slowly slips away, they are forced into increasingly dangerous situations as the streets of the city run red with blood and sticky with syrup. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. New episodes available weekly. Ha ha ha. Wouldn't it be a great idea if our society just collapsed on itself? This seems like sound policy, hmm? That's what I believe. Me, Richard the Grey, or should I say dick? And there's like a sorted laughter and like the president <laughs> is just like rubbing her face in like kind of embarrassed, but also again, everyone here is pretty young and all they're all kind of hungover and drunk. Um, and uh, so then uh, there's... Uh, this guy's kind of making that gesture and then someone boots him over from behind and a um, a young dwarf uh, in armor steps forward winning smile uh, like like uh, dwarven Chris Evans you know just like um, perfect features easy charm uh, and he just says new ways who wants that we've got a good thing here we've had a good thing here and we'll continue to have a good thing with me Jaden Hayworth your new president. Here's hoping. Um, and uh, there's like applause and, and cheers and like clearly a very popular candidate. Uh, and then he goes and starts shaking hands with people as the actor playing Richard the Grey like kind of gets up and, and awkwardly like scurries out the back. Um, and Can you repeat uh, that last name again, Tom? Jaden? Jaden Hayworth. Hayworth. Uh, and uh, the president just says, yeah, that is very likely going to be my replacement. And you're not running in this election? Uh, no, no. Um, there is a, my uh, condition would preclude me from it. But I've had, I've had a good run. I've had as good a run as, as one could expect, you know? Uh, Madam President, if I may be so bold, you seem very sound of mind. Uh, what, what, what condition? What would ever uh, stop you? She just kind of nods and says, ah, ah yes. Um, uh, it is, uh, we call it the gray. Uh, it's, it's something that we don't advertise too widely, but given that you're here, you, you will be exposed to it. So you, you might as well know. Um, once our, uh, once our people reach a, a certain age, um, like the stone that we have learned to craft, we, we too begin to, uh, to turn, uh, to change, to, to petrify. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a, she kind of leans in conspiratorial and she's like, Look, uh, I was born in 86, so, like, I'm really getting on, uh, you know? We've got all these, uh, you know, these 
double O's out here and even some aughts. And I mean, they're, they're going to be the ones running things pretty soon. So I've had a good run, um, but uh, like my predecessor and her predecessor and on and on uh, back, back down through, through history, you know, uh, we, we get a good run and then it's, it's our time to, um, to fade. And that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So nothing to do with the mind, uh, just that uh, soon my body will be stone, which is not ideal for ruling. As you can imagine, she kind of points at Karen and she's like, oh, right. Yeah. Not, not so princess. How, how, based on those years, if we're aware of them, how old is this president? Um, this isn't, this doesn't sync with any calendar you're familiar with. This is likely a local. Okay. So I just wanted to check because I was like, it's not like the dwarves we met on the road were a lot older. No, no, this all. The dwarves, out or? Uh, well, uh, you the dwarf in the, in the uh, Bone Spurs, despite being in a time loop, was older. Um, yeah. So you've definitely met some dwarves who are... Because uh, we met Kananame and... Uh, yeah. What's his name? Because I write them all down. Uh, Shen, who was the leader of that. You were... Um, they, did, they did look a bit older, but also you, you get the sense that like... They also didn't have the same kind of like, what, like uh, subterranean eye situation going on. Mm. You get the sense that like... What is true for these people may not be true of all dwarves. Um, this Got may it. just be a, a, a sprung wreck. Um, yeah, because they had no petrific partial petrification or anything. No, like they that. didn't, and they they were walking around during the day and and so on and so forth. Now it seems like they were definitely part of down under society in some way, shape, or form as they were moving materials to and fro. But I think uh, particularly um, based on your knowledge of kind of trade practice, um, Maka, it wouldn't be. It would make sense that there are some cultures with, within dwar the Dwarven society that would be kind of travelers and it might not uh, live the same way. Uh, but again, f physiologically speaking, these dwarves would have a hell of a time outside because they spend all day, every day underground. Yeah, that makes sense. So is this the candidate that you would wish to follow you into this possession? Um, if you don't mind me asking, I don't actually know your democratic rules. Yeah, can you roll uh, an insight check, please? She's a little bit cagey about um, siding one way or the other. 16. Mm. So as a, well, um, again, you've, you've come at a pretty uh, pretty incredible time uh, in, in uh, Sprongbrek. Um, so uh, I guess there's no harm in, in telling you. Um, I, uh, yes, I, I, I Jaden seems, uh, you know, like, like a very sound choice. Um, there's a, uh, we have two candidates, uh, running to, uh, replace me, um, before, uh, before I gray out too much to be able to, to do this. Um, there's Jaden Hayworth who you, you've just met. Uh, uh, he's, um, full of energy, um, really respects tradition, really respects, um, the way our society is ordered. And uh, is is honestly uh, kind of like uh, almost from a dynasty perspective, exactly who you'd imagine, uh, you know, like if there were a bunch of presidents who were all kind of the same, like some kind of Kennedy situation, you know, kind of that kind of guy um, just kind of almost seems born to it um, as opposed to uh, the challenger. Um, who is a, a bit of a strange fellow. Um, his, uh, his name is uh, Richard Cambridge, um, but uh, most people just call him Richard the Grey. Um, he is a, a bit of an oddity uh, in our society. He's a, he, he's, he was born in 81, um, so he is much older than, than most of us, and uh, the Grey has only partially um, set in. Uh, it's very strange, and frankly, a lot of us find it a little unsettling uh, because... 
normally by by his age, uh, people are fully great, and it's the way of things down here. Um, but uh, he has some strange ideas about uh, the way we could reform society. Uh, some strange theories about about the gray itself, which of course is absurd because it's just a thing that happens. There's no rhyme or reason to it. But it just is. We passed many statues adorned in armor on our way here. Are these fully grayed dwarves? Uh, yes, those are the ancestors. Um, we, we all try and pick a pose we think we'd like for, for all time. Uh, I don't get that luxury because I've got a job to do, but uh, some of us just, uh, we find a nice, quiet, private spot for reflection and um, strike a pose. And that's, uh, that's where we end up, of course. Um, and uh, you will forgive me that I can't speak more on this, but our uh, the nature of, of the relationship we have with our armor means that uh, those who, who have properly uh, communed and bonded uh, with their armor are uh, will continue to wear it uh, throughout time, as as is uh, customary of of uh, those who bond. Interesting. We've come in search of someone who can help us explore the bond between the princess. Uh, the familiar and that's me armor. yes that's that's her um is there someone you can suggest we speak to about this process um and at this uh her her expression darkens a little bit and she says um yes there there are certainly people you could speak to about this but these are these are the the most sacred secrets um in in our society uh the fact that you have um uh, someone in, in, having uh, possession of of this suit of armor is actually a it's, it's a bit of an act of blasphemy, and I understand it was not intended as such. But uh, this is um, we're in really uncharted territory here. But I also uh, again I, I can recommend some people, but you must understand for those who aren't graying, trust is harder to come by. For me, I could probably just tell you this because realistically, I'm going to blink out in a few uh, few weeks anyway. But uh, for a lot of the society, um, giving the secret away would, would feel a, a massive violation. Um, if you would like to know more about it, though, and, and to explore it, um, there is perhaps a way you could help earn trust uh, here. Um, we have a bit of a surface problem. And as you've probably seen, uh, our warriors uh, are, are, are not tremendously well-equipped uh, for those anymore. Uh, the glasses help a lot, but uh, not enough. Uh, they, they provide us with a very clear weakness. Uh, there's been a monster patrolling the uh, the entryway uh, to Sprongbrek for, for some time, and it was just a nuisance, uh, but slowly over time it seems to have, um, well, set up shop uh, rather close to our entranceway. It has disrupted our trade practices immeasurably. Uh, if you would be able to bring us that head to mount, and she points at like, a nail that is clearly waiting for a head. It's like, uh, if you could bring us its head uh, and, and mount it here, A, it would be a, a very, it would be a feather in my cap as a, a nice farewell to my people. Um, but also it would earn you trust throughout Sprongbrek uh, in a way that simply giving you my word would not. What can you tell us about this creature? Um, so she begins to describe um, what I think you would uh, be able to kind of put together easily enough as um, 
uh, something that escaped the Shadowlands. Uh, it doesn't sound like an Omnirath um, or or kind of a familiar, but based on kind of the description, uh, it definitely seems like the the kind of uh, the, the kind of thing you'd uh, you know take out a Witcher contract on, you know. Um, <laughs> so uh, it is a um, described as being a very large um, six legged creature with a long um, sort of bluish tail. Um, Big set of fangs, meaty hands. So, like each of the the feet kind of have three massive uh, clawed toes, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, apparently um, has been known to uh, to freeze people um, with its uh, with its abilities. Uh, it has a uh, they found caravans that have been um, completely frosted over um, and uh, with all inside having died. Um, yeah, they, the description, Maka, for you, it sounds similar to a salamander, but if it was like a salamander who got real into roids and then okay. wanted to save uh, his wife from her weird degenerative disorder <laughs> by putting her in a frozen tube for a bit. Salamander freeze, yes. Yep. <laughs> this sounds like a task for a dawnbreaker. I cannot speak for the others, but I will undertake this mission. I will, I will lend my assistance as well. Well, it does seem that we will have to defeat this monster in order to leave in safety, yes? Uh, it will definitely make that easier. Also, um, uh, I understand that the uh, Empire of Numbers is, is concerned about uh, our output. And frankly, this has been a huge part of the disruption to our services. We've sent uh, a couple parties up, but as, as I said, with, with our... Uh, particular physiology, it is quite difficult, and um, at this point, the cost is too high. Duncan wants to ask uh, Ita, um, so he'll he'll turn to Ita and say, "Do you mean uh, Maka? What did I say?" Duncan, Duncan. I was like, yeah, "You oh, want to ask this question? Trust me, pal. You want to ask this question? <laughs> well, you tell me what it is, and I'll ask it, baby." Uh, Maka would like to ask uh, Ita a question, so he will turn to her and and say, um, "Are you a warrior, Ita?" Uh, not in uh, the sense that I have trained as a warrior, no. Mm, are you sure you would like to accompany us in this endeavor? Uh, I would certainly not like to accompany you. I would much rather take a look at the books. Uh, however, I do uh, want uh, my... Uh, my duties to be carried out in all haste and accuracy, and I feel that the distraction of this monster uh, may uh, pose a challenge. Mm. And yet, you still wish to join us. Uh, I, I, I am here for a mission. I, 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 I am. I, Ita, I, I, will... I don't mean to offend, but Marka can be surprisingly indirect when trying to protect people's feelings. If we're facing a giant monster and your specialty is accounting, we don't need to risk your life to defeat that monster. The question is, do you have the skills to join in battle or would it be better for you to stay here and check the books? Uh, I am an orc hunter. I am also an orc. I, 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 I can help. Um, yeah, uh, the president kind of smiles and says, uh, I, I think... Uh, uh, Ms. Ito over here is being a bit uh, 
bit humble. Um, the orc countants are famed for their abilities to confound and confuse. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to her talk about math yet, but uh, if she's like any of her uh, colleagues who I've met in my time as president, she can do quite a number on you. So uh, I believe the answer to your question, uh, Kin Dano, is yes. I believe she could be of assistance to you if she sees fit. Great. Weren't trying to condescend, just literally don't know. Excellent. Resident Nagata, Ito, pardon me, Ita has explained to us that people meeting and forming relationships is a kind of addition. We will show you we are proficient in division and we will bring this head back to you. Uh, She bursts out laughing. Um, uh, Ita also laughs very hard. That is yeah. uh, <laughs> confused. <laughs> she, she like nods. Uh, she says, "This this turtle's quite a fella." Okay, great. Well, uh, good luck. Um, again, I, I sincerely hope you're you're successful in your quest. Honestly, it would be this would put my mind at ease as I slip off into that great unknown. You know, um, but uh, also, I didn't know turtles were so funny. That's that's great. Um, and uh, with that, she gestures for more Caesars because uh, you can see the outburst of laughter has really, really just brought that hangover crashing right back, right back down around her. Um, and uh, she says, uh, yeah, so um, you can talk to, uh, uh, you've been dealing with Sandra, right? Correct. Great. Let's keep the NPC count to a minimum here. Uh, you can talk <laughs> to Sandra. She'll, uh, she'll point you in the right direction, but um Yes, thank you for for undertaking this. Uh, we would really like to see this this monster dead. Excellent, Is Madam President. I, I I am sorry. I have I have one more question mm. for you. Um, uh, does does the alcohol uh, slow decay into the gray? Duncan just rubs his face with his hands like this. Just the worst diplomat in the history of diplomats. Um, she, uh, just kind of shrugs, uh, her, her, um, one mobile shoulder and says, I mean, it sure doesn't hurt. Well, it hurts, but you know what I mean? It makes it hurt less though. I mean, look, we just, we're, we're here for a, a good time, not a long time. So let's have a good time because the sun can't shine every day down here. You know, it's just, you know, we got to live fast, die young, baby. YOLO. That's does the our, sun our shine at does the sun sun shine at all down here? Uh, no, that that's why we we've we've got the um uh, the daemon lights. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, look, uh, I I do apologize. Uh, I've been I've been yakking too much here. Also, I think your friend over there is going to have a heart attack if you keep talking to me. Um, but uh, you know, look, uh, go go slay a monster, earn the trust of the people, uh, and then first round's on me, right? And you see, a, like a massive clock, just tick the one minute over to eleven, and suddenly all, like all the orange juice, apple juice, and like breakfast stuff is just gone. Um, and servers are just like rushing in with alcohol and like and, lining and up. Everybody shots. just rips their shirts off, just universally. <laughs> the, the people who hall. can rip their shirts off, the people in armor can't. Uh, but they, they drop their pants. That the, uh, armored pants, dude. They can't drop anything, but they jump up and down. They're really excited. They start clanging <laughs> on their armor and stuff. Um, I just and- say, uh, Ma- Madam President, uh, after I have completed uh, my mission, uh, I look forward to imbibing to excess with you. That's uh, 
that's really kind. May your uh, may your sums have no remainders. She says optimistically. That does not make sense, but I appreciate the thought. Ah, you know we do what we can. All right, uh, this girl needs some tequila. Um, and immediately, like the Caesar pitcher guy who is just Kiff from Futurama, turns around, puts <laughs> down one pitcher, picks up the other pitcher, just using the same glass. It's fucking disgusting. Um, beach balls out of nowhere. Like you didn't even see them start. Um, there's a. From knowing, we just have to decide what creature they're in because I really like the idea of calling them hog balls. Like there's just a lot of questions. <laughs> like hog balls. They come yeah. out? The hog balls just come flying out. Uh, they're, they're bouncing <laughs> around. Um, there's a, 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 a there's like three a trio of dwarven bards um, sitting next to like a massive stone amplifier, like a megaphone, and um, just doing incredible like beatboxing EDM style stuff without oh, having wow. electronics, obviously. So it's a lot of like boo, like they're they're making the beat drop uh, themselves, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, suddenly all of the, the what were fixed lights are like spinning in interesting ways. Um, Duncan, this is a fucking nightmare for you. Um, also, because I think from a purely, like from that old part of your brain that A, remembers patrolling like the bad part of town, but B, in terms of like, if you had to like be security for the president, there is no fucking way to have eyes on anything because there's just shit everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, anyway, uh, debauchery begins. Um as the three of you slink out. Uh, the one catch, uh, I, I should say, though, is uh, that um, the president does ask um, to keep Karen for observation. Uh, given that the armor is like a sacred relic to them, they don't want it wandering around outside. Now, when you say observation, what does that mean? Where will Karen remain? Oh, just in, in, in your room. We'll just keep an eye on her so she doesn't wander off and fall into, like, you know, one of the orgy rooms. I agree to these terms. <laughs> Thought you might. Uh, although, admittedly, the orgy room's pretty great. Uh, well, the rest of us might right. check them out later. But... All right, good, good. I just want to make sure you know your options, all right? Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. All right, cool. Um, and uh, she just, like, claps her hands, or claps one hand against her, her stone hand and says, uh, all right, let's let's roll roll the shows. Roll the shows we all like when we're drinking. And, like, some performers come out and start what would be the equivalent of, like, a Simpsons episode and everyone's laughing and like, it's just a play. Like they, they clearly have like a Netflix section where they just run plays. The actors are exhausted, but you know, sure. yeah. In the cool. corner, there's just a dwarf yelling like, I've got an idea. And then somebody bangs symbols together and he's like, ah, I forgot. It's called the big bang theory. So it's just a bunch of dwarfs with ideas. And they all get interrupted with symbols. Uh, as you're starting to leave, uh, you know, you're actually kind of shocked uh, to see a bunch of dwarves come out wearing uh, roughly orc accountant gear. Yeah. Um, like they've got like the little abacuses, they've got like the glasses, uh, and uh, one of them is just like, I think I am the world's best orc boss. Uh, my name is Morkel Scott, and and just by this point, you're just burning past uh, the orc they, Yes, exactly. Uh, as they begin to work on their uh, their daily things, you hear someone uh, scream a name uh, that sounds like Toby, and a dwarf just get pushed into a barrel of booze. Um, and uh, <laughs> two nearby dwarfs go, I really hope Jork and Pork kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no, they gotta wait a few seasons for that. Uh, but honestly, this is their 80th watch of this play, they know where it's going. Um, all right, so uh, you make your way outside and uh, you have um, some time to prepare. 
Karen's like, well, I really wish I could go with you guys, but like, I might be their queen now. So I think it's pretty important that I stay. Also, I am now very invested in the Jork and Pork situation. I really hope it works out for those two crazy kids. He gave her a teapot, you guys. I don't know what it means because we just saw a part of it, but like, I think it's important. Gwen, uh, <laughs> although this is happening while you're riding shotgun, how do you feel about Karen not going on the adventure to stay and watch the Orcfus? Um, Honestly, I, I'm just like, she could very well be a liability in that situation. So this is probably for the best. Um, can you roll me, uh, I, you probably don't have a Gwendolyn sheet in front of you, but- uh, Yeah, I do actually. Okay, great. Uh, could you roll me an insight check, please? Or an arcana sure. check? Either or. Um, I'll do Arcana. Uh, 11. No, sorry, 12. 12. 12. Um, so uh, as you're, you're just kind of like considering how much of a, a liability this would be and and just generally kind of reflecting on on your, your lot in life, um, uh, Karen takes a sudden step uh, back towards uh, the... Um, uh, the chamber to continue to watch the show. Um, and uh, you feel jostled. Uh, you actually feel yourself drift um, out of the armor for a moment uh, before kind of snapping back in. And as you kind of reach out with uh, your arcana check um, to like reaching out with, with kind of, again, the, the inherent feeling of this, um, you can almost feel small pulls on you from a variety of different places throughout um, the city. They're too far away for you to, to act on any of it, but you get the sense that it wasn't you leaving. It was almost like you got snagged on something. Ooh. Okay. It, There's nothing to do with it yet, it. but it's All interesting. Right. Okay. Uh, are you still narrating uh, Karen's life? Everything. Everything. This is just going to be relentless. I kind of Lentless. wish you'd, you'd seen all of the plays that are going on so you could just spoil them a second before oh my it God, happens. Like, but yeah, but it's going to be like whenever there's a joke, um, she'll like Gwendolyn will like, like she explains all of the jokes. Oh, oh, like, no. it's like, all right. And this is why this is funny. All right. Yeah, <laughs> like, <okay. it's> just <laughs> Someone editorializing the office. She's like, yeah, oh, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> and Big Bang Theory, that's just someone hitting a symbol, which yeah. admittedly is a bit more coherent than the show we're joking about. But like, <laughs> but even, even beyond that, like how vindictive is Gwendolyn? Is, is she also editorializing like the day-to-day -day, like activity of like, and so Karen walked like a big stupid dummy down the holes and all yeah. that stuff. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. The world's most insulting <laughs> lifetime of the rich and famous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, very good. Um, cool. Excellent. Uh, so <laughs> what, uh, what preparations do you think you guys would make, uh, Duncan and, um, Maka and Ita, I guess as well. But I imagine that you don't really prep for venturing There's... out into combat. No. Great. I, yeah. No, I, 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 I have sure. like, I have like a kind of a, a, a great club on my back. That's kind of ready. I, I probably, I probably won't use it. Like a se secondhand club? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the nature of my class is like, I can, I can prepare spells at like the beginning of a day kind of thing. So I think I'm, I think I'm stuck with what I got. That's fair. Uh, which I, I shouldn't say is like bad. I'm not stuck with it. Um, but, but I'm like, I'm not, I don't think I have any changes really. To uh, okay. Cause like Tyler, I would say that I'll let you retroactively swap up your, your spell set um, based on this adventure. If that's something you, Want it's, to no, no, I'm not gonna. 
Just take fine. Goodberry several times. Really, <laughs> yeah. That's the, the way. This, this is creature the creature is is just like sicking me, like just shaking me ah. back and forth in its mouth, and I'm just gorging myself on berries. Uh, yeah, after they find your body, uh, like Sandra's like, it's such a shame because berries instantly kill this monster. If only he'd shared. Um, okay, cool. Uh, Brian, what would you do? Duncan would. He'd have to wait till they were outside, but uh, he's already undoubtedly repaired whatever cuts and stabs were in his outfit from the Shadowlands. Uh, I think once he got outside, though he would like get some brush and some leaves and shit like that and specifically use it to break up his outline. Like he'd kind of improvise a bit of a ghillie suit for himself and like rub his hands in his exposed skin and dirt so that he wouldn't smell like a person. Like just some really basic whatever hunting stuff that he'd read about that could be useful, I think would be his big strategy. Okay, great. Um, Sandra, I have a question. Yep. Uh, how familiar would Sandra be with this monster? Uh, vaguely familiar as one of the the doorkeepers um she'd be aware uh i will say that the entrance you guys came through isn't does seem to be relatively safe um mm -hmm. she's leading you towards a different uh a different entrance a ah, different okay. entrance way um in easiest terms for us uh you guys kind of came in through what would probably be the equivalent of a service entrance okay which is fine if you're on foot but like would be admittedly shit to try and get a cart Sure. True or convoys or whatever. Exactly, and yeah. further from the main roads and and all that. Um, now you guys kind of found it because I mean, uh, Edith was approaching on foot anyway, but you also kind of got lost, so you didn't come through like the grand mm -hmm. main entrance. You, you know, knocked on a window. Now being a porter, Sandra was aware that Ida was supposed to arrive, so she was kind of just like waiting for that. But yes, she can give you a little bit more information on this thing if you Someone so desire. One thing I think in preparation would be would Mako would want to know is more about this creature's behavior. Mm. Um, now, obviously, I, I don't expect there to be a ton of like firsthand experiences with this thing mm -hmm. um, from from Sandra or anything like that. But do we know like what does it leave behind? Do we know that it eats dwarves mm. or or other things? Do we know why it's attacking? Where yeah, like so that? it um, it it definitely eats uh, eats dwarves. Um, Again, we, they find uh, a lot of caravans frosted over, um, but they also found uh, remnants of, of half-chewed bodies. Um, this thing seemed to be juvenile when it was first sort of discovered wandering around. Um, and so it was one of those unfortunate situations where they just kind of left it, mm -hmm. thinking it wasn't that big a deal. And now it is literally and figuratively a very big deal. Um, obviously, this isn't a, a particularly frosty region, so it is a strange uh, creature, but Based on what you now know about uh, the crossroads and the portals in um, the Shadowlands, it very much seems like something that was brought through from somewhere else and then that somehow got out on this side. Um, so truly a, a strange and kind of out of place uh, monster, um, which okay. is part of the reason why it's proven to be so difficult because it's not like, oh yeah, it's, it's like, we know how these things work. It's definitely not from around here, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, okay. Now, Maka, in terms of how this syncs up with things you've heard of, this doesn't relate. Like, you can't think of a of like a frost salamander as something you would know. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you don't profess to know everything about uh, the all of the wildlife in Gren, but uh, this does seem very strange. Um, but again, Shadowlands kind of yeah, so makes it's, some sense of it. It's sudden appearance um, and just the elemental nature of it sounds like it's displaced. Yeah. Yeah, and she'll also she can inform you that um, it doesn't sync up with anything they've got on record. Um, 
Like there's no, there's no analog for this. And with a dwarven society, you would think that any kind of ancient evils um, they come across would come from underground instead of be harassing them from the surface. Well, for sure. And that's, you, you, I think with a tactical mind in place, like all these armored troops are definitely here for, like there's a reason there's a bunch of fucking armored, like perma armored paladin types running around. But unfortunately, to your point, they're not built for this, you know? Mm. It's like if you have a really cool scuba army and it's like, oh no, there's a problem in the land. They're like, <laughs> our floppy shoes will not help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's that's just something Maka wanted wanted to know is like like as as a, as an animal, what are its habits? So to know that it eats the dwarves, um, that's that's good to know. And, and it, it's nested nearby. Yeah, and I, I think from from kind of animal behavior that Sandra can describe, uh, because it lacks a natural predator, it just seems to kind of be doing its thing. Like it's an apex now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Thanks. No I guess uh, Duncan would just want to know if there was like where the site of the most recent attack was, just because then they can kind of spiral out from there. Yeah. Sure. So she um, she gives you um, kind of like they've triangulated um, three attack sites uh, from the past few months, um, and they're also where they sent out a raiding party not that long ago uh, that did not return. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, again, like obviously we're, we're doing theater of the mind, so I don't have a map for you, but, um, it's, uh, it's probably about a, you know, an hour's walk, uh, walk from here to that site. That said, it has been known to pick people up off the street, so you might encounter it sooner, but yeah, roughly it's the, the closest they've figured is about an hour away. Mm -hmm. Cool. Also, when they've sent out patrols nearby, they haven't found anything. So it's clearly nested far enough away that they can't just like, it's the Spartan problem where it's like, ah, we can't go too far from Sparta or else everything goes to shit. So like, you'd better come within a hundred meters or <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> All, right, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like Duncan knows what he'd need to know then. Okay. Great. Lita, would you have any questions? Um, I honestly, I have, no questions. Normally I would, but I, I believe that we are going to uh, defeat this creature. And that, that is it. I believe you two are capable, yes? And have, and have fought creatures such as this one yourself? I have not encountered a creature such as this. However, it sounds somewhat similar to a salamander some sort of elemental beast we would do well to prepare ourselves against freezing and cold attacks indeed uh, i have nothing that can do that for me then i will be sure to recite the appropriate funeral rites upon your death uh, i would prefer uh, not to die and for you to recite something that would protect me is this not possible? Yes, I can do this as well. That is much preferred. Thank you. Because <laughs> after after I die, uh, I will I will uh, not appreciate uh, the funeral rites as I will no longer have consciousness. Well, Marco, so I think Marco maybe looks we should all at agree. Uh, like someone gets it. She, someone finally gets it. <laughs> I think we should all agree that our strategy will be to defeat the creature and for none of us to die. I thought that was a little obvious, but it seems like that's growing as a possible debate. So no one dies, defeat the creature, come back here, 
that's the goal. It's a nice three-step plan. Very good. Uh, sounds sounds excellent. So having established a three-step plan, having made the appropriate funeral plans as well as battle plans, um, the uh, the three of you are shown um, to kind of what, what seems to almost be a secret entrance. Um, it's uh, when you get outside of it, you can see that it's just kind of like a rock that happens to be sort of connected to the greater thing. Um, you it, Basically, it's the equivalent of like having a little rock with a key under it outside your house. Um, but in this case, you have like a stone crafting dwarf um, creating an opening for you. Um, so Sandra kind of uh, opens that for you and says, uh, yeah, all right. So it, it's, you know, head northwest. Um, when you find the uh, the split tree, you'll know kind of you're in the right spot. Um, if you do see any any hint of our patrol, that'd be great. But by this point, we think they're probably... Uh, Probably all gone. Uh, listen, uh, I really wish you guys well. I still haven't gone to bed, so like I'm a go. But um, I, I, this three step plan sounds great. I have the utmost faith in you. So good luck. And she like puts the glasses on and opens the the stone, um, swirls it open, and says, uh, "Go, go, kick its ass." Rest well, Sandra of the Dying Under. Uh, and Duncan will give her a bow, and then he'll head out. Um, so I tell you, had some just more maca bullshit. Oh. <laughs> Let's hear well, it. I guess I, I just, I, I, he just looks confused and is like, the initial request was to sever its head. But oh, yeah, do that too. Do that one. We will endeavor to do both. Yes. Uh, and with that, the party sets off into the woods to hunt a monster. This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.